0: Uh, Okay, so this weekend, here's what we're doing is we are, uh, we're on like the second half of our series called Pass Forward. And what we did for the first few weeks is we talked about the history of of Seacoast and what God has been doing because it's our 30 year anniversary. And so we were really celebrating that. And then last week we kind of turned the page and we started to talk about what does the future look like? What is the next 30 years gonna look like for Seacoast? And, uh, And so I'm gonna continue that on today. And here's what I wanna do, is I wanna pull back a little bit and I wanna try to look at the big picture of where we're going is sometimes you get, really, um, you get really busy with the details, kind of in the weeds, and you need to just pull back and look above the waves and go, okay, are we heading in the right direction? Where are we going? And so as I began to think about, uh, about our church and the church in general, and, and even um, in a broader context, organizations and companies, uh, I started to realize that they all have something in common, Every good company or organization has something in common, is that they see something in the world that is broken or that needs fixed or could be better, and then they go out and they try to come up with a solution to that problem. And so if you think about some of the, the biggest companies in the world, that's what they've done. is uh, Take um, Steve Jobs and Apple. is. He wanted to create computers that are intuitive for the common man. They're way too technical, way too difficult. So he says, I'm going to make this easy for everybody. And usually there's a visionary that leads this charge. Is they say, here's how I can make the world a better place. Or you've got uh, Henry Ford, who obviously, uh, Ford Motor Company, and he went to produce cars for the masses. Because at the time, everybody's on horses and we want more horsepower, and so we got cars. Or you have uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin of Google, and they set out to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and easy. And then you, of course, have uh, Howard Schultz, who is the founder of Starbucks, and he set out to make mediocre coffee for an outrageous price, so. If you look at the church, and not just like our church, but the church, the one that Jesus founded, um, he had a, a problem that he recognized in the world, and he set out to fix this. And it wasn't just a problem, it was actually the problem, is we all look out at the world and we know that there's something broken, there's something not quite right. And we can point at all these different issues of what we think it might be, but Jesus comes along and he says, those are actually just symptoms of the real issue. Is all the brokenness and all the death and decay and disease and conflict and all of that, they're bad and we need to address them. But you're never going to really fix what's wrong unless you identify what the root is, what the the core problem is. And so the scripture says that the real issue is that um, there is not a problem out there, there is a problem in here is that the human heart is fundamentally flawed, that there is evil within us. Now, this is not a popular, uh, a popular topic and not a popular solution or, or, or problem uh, to recognize is because we wanna believe that we are good people who do bad things once in a while. But the scripture says mm, you're actually bad and you do good once in a while. That there is something in your heart, this evil, and it explains why we see evil in every, every, uh, every government, uh, every race, every environment, every socioeconomic class, that we have seen it permeate every part of human history, is because the problem is not out there, the problem is in here. And the problem is so bad that it says that there is no way you and I can fix it. That this, this issue, this disease, this thing called sin that has entered the world, which by the way, we weren't designed to be like this. The, the scripture tells us that we were designed to um, be in a relationship with our Creator, with our Heavenly Father. And when we decided that we didn't want to follow Him, we didn't want to worship Him, in fact, we wanted to be in charge of our own destinies, what happened was we pushed ourselves away, we separated ourselves from God, and this thing called sin entered into the world. And sin is like this disease. And it lives within the human heart and it's all throughout our our world. And so when we separated from God, sin enters into the world and the consequence of it is death. For the wages of sin is death. And it makes sense because if we pushed ourselves away from the creator of life, the author of life, when we pushed away from life, we really embraced death. And so now we see this world that is full of death and destruction and decay. But Jesus says, all right, If this is the problem, then I'm gonna come and I'm gonna fix it. The problem is that sin has separated you from God. You need to be reconciled to him and you can't do it yourself. There's no amount of good deeds you can do. There's nothing you can earn because you're the problem. You're the issue. You can't save yourself. You need a savior. And so Jesus steps in and he is God in, in human flesh and he comes and he lives the life that all of us should have lived. The one that is fully submitted to his heavenly father, the one that is morally perfect, And the one that is deserving of praise and honor and glory, he lives that life that we should have lived. But instead of getting the reward that he deserves, he takes the punishment that we deserve. And so he trades our place. He says, you know what? I've lived the perfect life, but instead I'm gonna take the punishment you deserve for for your rebellion. And you are going to take the reward that I deserve, which is reconciliation, an eternal relationship with your heavenly father that you can be forgiven. And so he trades places with us. You might be thinking, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Well, what do I gotta do? What, what, what do I gotta earn? What it's gonna cost me? Jesus says, you can't do anything to earn it, but here's what I want from you. I want your life. I want your life. You have to hand over the keys to, of your life uh, to me. I want your entire world to revolve around me. I want you to worship me, I want you to listen to my teachings, I want you to see how I live, and I want you to become like me in the world. The scripture says that this is what a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who is a follower an adherent, a pupil of Jesus, in which their whole life revolves around him. And so as Jesus is, is walking through his three years of ministry, we see that he walks around and he does some miracles, he does some really great teachings, but he also invests a ton of time into these 12 guys. And he calls these 12 guys his disciples. He says, okay, here's the deal. My job is to make you into followers of me and you're gonna be like me in the rest of the world. And, and the big vision that I have to solve humanity's issue is we're gonna take this thing global. Like I got a vision and I got a plan in order to turn the world upside down and it begins with you 12 guys. And you have to imagine if you're sitting there and you're listening to Jesus and you're one of the 12 guys, you're thinking, okay, so you're gonna turn the world upside down through us. Just the 12 of us, is that, that's the, ooh, that's a big game plan? One of them, I'm not too sure about. Have you checked in with Judas lately? I think he's going off the rails a little bit. So really only 11 of us. He says, no, 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 this is how I'm going to change the world. Is what we're going to do is pretty soon I'm going to go back to where I came from. I'm gonna go back to heaven. And when I do that, I'm gonna send you a helper. It's called the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, now it's your turn to take over. So what I did with you guys, where you guys became disciples, I want you to do that with the rest of the world. In fact, I want you to take this message to the ends of the earth and make more and more disciples, more and more followers of me. And so after I'm gone, it's your turn, it's up to you. And I want you to just keep making more and more and more disciples until one day I'll return and I'll, I'll finish what I, what I started, but until then, your job, go and make disciples. He says, and as you do that, as you come together as a group of disciples, you guys are gonna be called the church. They go, church, what? I don't even, this is the first time he said it. What do you mean, church? Because church is just a a word that meant a gathering, an assembly. It goes, no, 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 no. You guys are going to be the church. And it's going to be so powerful and so transformative that not even the gates of hell are going to be able to stop it. Are you ready to go? You guys are the church. And then on day one, just a small group of people gather together as the church. The Holy Spirit comes. They start giving this message to the world. And 3,000 people come to follow Jesus. It's begun. And for the last 2,000 years, this is what the church has been doing. It's been going out and it's been making disciples. And so that's what we're here to do. That's kind of the big picture, is we wanna make sure that we keep that in our sights because Jesus has given us a a very clear why and a very clear what. But what gets interesting is when we start to talk about the how. The how is how are we going to make disciples? If that's what we're supposed to do, Jesus is our why and, and discipleship is our what, then how do we do that? And to be honest, if you look through the scriptures, there's not a whole lot of insight into how we're supposed to do this. It's because Jesus has chosen to work through us, it's our responsibility to be able to figure out the how within our context. Because what works in Cyprus may not work in China or Guatemala, and so we rely on God's guidance to show us how are we going to make disciples in our community, in our church. And so that's what we wrestle through as a church. And we're constantly evaluating, is God, are we we doing what's right? Are are we we creating disciples here? And so we... uh, at Seacoast have come up with what, uh, a few different ways that we, we really believe God has called us to make disciples. Now, I'm gonna just highlight three really quick. Three are this, there's processes, programs, and a place. Process, program, and a place. First one is a process. I, work, uh, I, I, I met with a friend about a year ago who works for a large corporation, and I was asking him questions. You know, how, what makes this company successful? How are you guys able to scale to such a, a large uh, a size? What are, the, what are the things that are in place? And he began to spell out some of the things that they do, and one of which was, we have a process for everything. Step-by-step instructions of here's how you accomplish your goal. So I began to think through this, and I thought, okay, discipleship process. That's nothing new, but I don't know if I really have thought through what a discipleship process looks like. So I thought, okay, let's let's go back to the scriptures. Let's start fresh. What was Jesus' discipleship process? How did he make disciples? And so I went in and I started looking at the patterns. And so the first thing I saw was he invites them to come in, to come into a relationship with himself and, uh, and with the other disciples. So come into a relationship with me and with my community. Second thing he does is he builds them up. He says, okay, here's who I am. You gotta, you gotta learn to trust me, you gotta learn who I am. And you also gotta learn to love one another. The other guys that are in their group, you gotta learn to love them. And so we build up our faith and we build up this community. And then he says, now you need to go out and you need to serve and you need to share this message. You need to go and you need to make more disciples. It's kind of like a process. And so I just said, maybe that's it, seems pretty simple. And so it's three things, and we'll throw the slide up here if you're a visual learner. It's come in, build up, and go out. Super simple process. You come in, you come into a relationship with Jesus and and his church. You get built up in the faith and in the community, and then you go out and you make more disciples. And it just continues to go over and over. There's not really an ending point, right? It's kind of like going to the gym. You don't go to the gym one week and go, I'm done. This is it. I have officially exercised all the parts of my body and I never have to go again. No, right? It's a constant, it's a cycle. It's constantly coming in and out and in and out. And that's what this looks like. And so we, we, have, this, we have this process. And around this process, we've kind of developed programs. And programs are just ministries. And they're, they're ways to help us accomplish either one of these three things or do these three things for a specific age group or, or demographic. And so for instance, if we, we were gonna talk about building up, what kind of programs would we design in order to accomplish this goal? Well, it's pretty obvious. One of the big things that we do is rooted because rooted is about building up your faith and building up this community. Or we've got things like step studies and open share groups and classes and moms together. And, and that's all about trying to build up your faith and build up this faith community. And the last thing is places, is we want to try to provide places, design spaces and places in order to accomplish these three things. And so uh, if you notice, let's take the first one. The first one is about coming in. And what we want to have here is a big open door where lots of people can hear about Jesus and they can become a part of this community and get to know us a little bit. And so we designed a building where lots and lots of people can come in. That's where you're at right now. This is a big building that says, come in, enjoy, get to know us, and we want you to hear about Jesus And so we try to design places and spaces to accomplish these three things as well. And it wasn't until I I began thinking about this that I realized how important this last one was. places and spaces where we gather. Because I know that the the church is a gathering. It's a movement, it's the people, it's not a building. But that doesn't mean that where we meet is not important. Because I I really do believe that God designed us in order to love where we live, where we're doing life. Because think about his creation. It's beautiful, it's, it's breathtaking, it's not boring. It's because he wants us to enjoy the places that we live, where we're doing life. And we know this is true. This is why if you have a view or you live by the beach, it's gonna be outrageously expensive because we love his creation. We love what he's created for us. And we try to replicate this. We try to do this in, in the retail spaces, in, in restaurants, in our own homes and hotels, and we spend a ton of time and money and resources just trying to create beautiful spaces where we love to be. Space is also important because it helps us to develop our relationships. In 1989, Ray Oldenburg wrote a book called "The Great Good Place." And in it, he talked about the importance of having a third place. So if you're not familiar with the third place kind of terminology, you have your first place, which is your home. You have your second place, which is either work or school. And then there's this third place. And he says in this third place is where you really develop community, where relationships happen, where you learn and you grow and you get to dialogue with other people. He says if you want to have a healthy life and a healthy community, you need to find a third place. And we know intuitively this is true. We, we seek it out all the time. It's either on a sports field, it's in a coffee shop, it's in a bar, cheers, it's, you know, you think about it, we're all looking for a third place. The next generation is interesting because they've tried to create a third place virtually. The third place is uh, either online, social media, it could be a forum, it could be group text messages, but they've tried to create a third place where they don't have to do face-to-face meetings. And here's the issue. All of those, no matter how well you do them, all of those are people looking to do life, and all they're finding is loneliness. I talked about it a couple weeks ago is there's an epidemic of loneliness within our culture, and it's getting worse. Is half of Americans feel that no one knows them well? And young people, their number one fear is loneliness, even above getting cancer? And so there is this epidemic of loneliness because people have stopped doing life together. They no longer are finding life, but loneliness. And so that's kind of part of what we want to do is we wanna create a place where life happens. We wanna create a place for life where people can come into our community, into this place, and they can find life. John 10, 10 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, the, key, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, If you wanna find life, you gotta come to me. And then he's put us, his church, in charge of being a life-giving community where people can come and they can find life. And so we know what the answer is to the loneliness. We know that the answer is the community that we belong to here, a life-giving community. It also is a place where you can change your life. You can ask life's biggest questions. In a day in which you're not supposed to ask that, you're not supposed to talk about that, it's too divisive, we come out and we say, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I don't care where you're out on the issue. It's like tonight, let's talk about it. Let's talk about some of the most important issues. We're not afraid because we're going to do it in truth and in love. It's also a place to make sense of life, to deal with life's hurts and habits and hang-ups and to discover your life's purpose. As we have hundreds of people coming here, going to our CR, our step studies, our open share, we got hundreds more going to, to rooted and figuring out what God's calling them to do. It's this is one of the very few places in this world in which you can discover what you were made for and start dealing with life stuff. And it's also just a place where we can do life together. You can make lifelong friends. We can celebrate each other's victories and we can comfort one another. And the rough spots of life. and the, the image that comes to my mind when I think about doing life together over the long haul, building a place, a community where you can do life together is the image of my grandfather. And I've shared this before is a, a few years ago when my grandfather passed away, we flew back to Oklahoma to go to his funeral. And afterward, there was tons of people lined up to talk to us about my grandfather. And they said, you know, I've been doing life with your grandfather for like 50, 60 years is we started together uh, as as young married couples in this group and there's about a group of 50 or 60 of them and we just said we're going to do life together until the day that we die and they did They came together, and they were all newlyweds, and then they all had kids at the same time, and then they went and got their kids, and they raised them, and they did careers, and this community was so tight, and this wasn't a small church. This was a big church, but it was a group of people who said, we're going to do this together, and and they literally, like my grandfather, he turned down a promotion because it meant he was going to have to move to another city, and he wanted to continue to do life with these people, and so he said, I'll make less money as long as I get to stay and do life with these people. And it was amazing because at his funeral, it was just story after story after story. And then they came together and they would celebrate one another's life. And I thought that's, that's what we wanna create here is we wanna create a community in which people can do life together. I can imagine that SCG would become a hub for your life and, and for this community. And so I think God's given us a, an incredible opportunity here to create this kind of place. He's, he's given us a fresh breath of life in our church, He's given us a fresh vision for what the future can look like. He's brought lots of new people, especially young families here for for, for us to invest in and to love on. And so let me just share a couple stats with you real quick. First is this, is uh, in the last five years since we've invested in our children's uh, ministry in that building, we've gone from 380 kids to 550 kids and we're touching 600 this semester of kids who are coming on our weekend services. Those are kids who are gonna get to know Jesus. We also have uh, over 1,500 people have completed at least one rooted session. And then throughout the week, yes, and then throughout the week we have over 1,200 people, this is every week on this campus, that do group life together, that meet in a group. It could be rooted, it could be a step study, it could be an open share group, but every week there are 1,200 people, in which you might be one of them, in which you come together and you do a group life on our campus. And we've also become a multi-generational church in the last five years. We have as many uh, millennials and Gen Xers as we do boomers, which is a huge deal because a lot of churches are only one generation. And we have really become a multi-generational church with a huge uh, future ahead of us. And then 50% of you are new in the last five years, which is just crazy. Is some of you guys, uh, most, or, or half of you guys have come in the last five years to this church. I think, uh, is that the last one? Yeah. And so here's what I wanna do is um, I wanna talk about the opportunity that we have, and I'm gonna invite Doyle up, and as he's coming up, let me just, let me just, this is what comes to my mind, is it's crazy to me as a person with a young family that we get to walk onto a campus that is 17 acres, would be tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars to build these buildings, and the opportunity that we have of what could be in the future, because here's the truth, is there's probably never gonna be a campus like this again, there's not gonna be a can- in this area. The land is too expensive, three million plus dollars an acre. The buildings would be too expensive. To start from scratch would be almost impossible and it's because it's taken generations to be able to, to, to arrive where we're at right now. And so we wanna be good stewards of that. We wanna see if we can't move that into the future.
1: So what we did is we went on and we engaged, uh, thinking about this, knowing about this, been praying about it for a long time. We out, went on and engaged some site planners. And uh, so we're serious about the next 30 years. And so uh, I'd like them to go out and put that slide up. Uh, we came to this agreement. It was voted on by the city last year, I believe it was. And uh, what happens is when, when the track closes, this is the long term, may not be as long as you think, we don't know for sure, um, but it's not 15 years, it's it's. Significantly less than that, um, is that our campus, we get to square off our campus. I don't know if you know this, but we have a starting gate right around the middle of our campus. Makes it the weirdest campus in America. I think we were voted that last year. Um, That's not true. I was the only one voting. But uh, uh, so... What we get to do is, when the track closes, we get to immediately take two acres. You don't even know we own them outside our back gate. We bought them a few years ago when we built this building. Uh, outside our back gate and go all the way to the light post. So if you go out there, you'll see a parking lot all the way to the light post. We own all of that up to the light post. We'll be able to take those two acres. We get to put them right over here because right now our property ends right in here, and we get to move them over here so we get closer parking. And so we begin to so we begin to have discussions. And frankly, the exciting stuff was fairly easy. Uh, the hard work we had to do was. Find parking on this on this space, and our and um, the the people that we were able to get connected with have designed Euro Disney and Universal Studios much different, so they understand the issues, and so this is the concept we're at, and you don't want to see the ones we have arrows going everywhere, how the traffic flows, all that. Anyway, having said that, I just want you to know, long term, we're working on some stuff. So, uh, just to point out what we're talking about here, the H, and you you should have gotten a brochure on the way in. H is the existing ranch house. This is the building. A is the building you're in. B is the office building next door and and downstairs nursery facilities. C is our old auditorium. We call it the east auditorium. D is the children's building. E is the youth building or the warehouse. The only new buildings are G and F, okay? But what is new about this configuration is this, and I want you to tell them about that and why that's important.
0: Yeah, so uh, if you want to go to the next slide, you can kind of get a a 3D image of what this looks like. Is um, the concept behind this is something that I've always, I've always loved and I think Disney created it and I've seen other people implement it and we're seeing it all over the place is this idea of a, a gathering place, a place to build community. And so if you've noticed that um, we really try to get you to hang out after service, we provide food and places to sit and a park for the kids to play in and all that is because we don't want you to run out the doors because we want you to be a part of the community here. And so that's kind of the the philosophy behind this is every single building faces towards the inside of the campus because we don't want you to walk out and see a parking spot. Because it's kind of like a horse that sees the barn. As soon as you see it, you're gone. Well, that's kind of what we're trying to avoid is we want you to come and hang out and do life together. And so the whole idea is this is a place where we can all do life, where we can hang, we can get to know people, we can build community. And so, uh, yeah, all the buildings kind of go in here and, and There's a lot of fun stuff that we we can do in that that park space.
1: Go ahead and go to the next slide. Um, The two new buildings that we're looking are here. We're looking at it right here. And... um, and it is a chapel and it is a cafe. There's a little breezeway between them. We may flip these, we may not. We haven't decided. This isn't a final member, this is long-term concept, but this is an idea. So what's interesting is the designers came back to us and they looked at our buildings, they're all tilt up, industrial looking buildings, and they came back with this glass front right here, and with and, and they had a they had a promenade going up here with water and the tower reflects in the water. And it was all very, you know sense of arrival, and, uh, and we showed it to millennials. They said, no, we want a traditional church, and we said, but a church doesn't go with our building, so we don't care. We want our kids getting married in a church, we're <laughs> and so it was kind of like, okay, we're going to build a church, I guess, so the chapel, whether it looks exactly like this or not, we don't know, but it will be a church, and and uh, of course we can have our, our uh, open Bible and stuff in there on the Sundays, and then and what's also interesting about but this wait,
0: wait, what we talked about this is um, as I was thinking about. Uh, you know, my kids one day getting married and, and even the places that I know a lot of people that I know want to get married is they want to get married in a chapel like this. And so I thought, how cool would it be if we've got the coolest chapel in the area where everybody goes, I want to get married there. And I will say, you can get married here. You just have to attend three weekend services with us and you can get married in our chapel. So that was kind of a, I'm okay with leveraging it. It's all right.
1: So if you did your wedding, or you did a a uh, you did a, uh, even a, a funeral, or we could actually maybe, including this space down here, maybe kind of rope that off or set it aside so you could have the wedding, get the reception, uh, and all that kind of all in one side. We haven't had this ever, and so we're very excited about that possibility. But this is all kind of long-term um, thinking. Now let's go to the next slide, and I'll show you a couple of interesting things. Now. Yeah, if it's all going to face here, you currently come in through here. So what we would do is extend, I don't know if this is a good representation, but the idea is right, extend our lobby outside around this side of the building. And then you would not only enter through there, you could enter through here. We might add a door to here. So then the lobby comes all the way around. So then it also faces inside. There are probably, unlike this, there'll probably be a raised patio area that looks out over the green where the kids are playing and maybe some sandpit volleyball down for the youth, that kind of stuff. So we're just working and on that. And that's
0: pressure. always been part of the plan. That's why they built this big tower here. It's because we were hoping one day that we would be able to make that the main entrance. And so that that would kind of give you a, a center point for us to... To, to enter in it.
1: Yeah. So and now, having said all of that, um, that's when the track closes. So we don't know when that is. Nobody knows. We, we, we keep our ears open. We don't have a clue. Well, we have
0: this, we have this deal already passed. The, remember a couple of years ago, we said we wanted you guys, of your we City of Cyprus to go and, and vote uh, in order to help, you know, some zoning stuff. Well, it passed. And so this is going to happen one one day. Is this, all this property will become ours at some point.
1: So uh, what we want to talk about now are some more immediate needs in, in advance of this. And it starts with our East Auditorium. So originally we left the East Auditorium and auditorium because um, some of the people my age will understand. My church experience, looks, and especially music, looks very different than my dad's. Right, my dad, they love the choirs and the hymns and the pipe organs, and, well, organs anyway, and that kind of stuff, and we kind of like guitars. and drum. So we were actually concerned that this generation over here wouldn't like to worship with us, so we kept two auditoriums. Well, it turns out, they actually like hanging out with us. That's why uh, we never move out. <laughs> That's why you stay on our insurance forever. But anyway, right.
0: we like you guys, um, man. Good people. And so
1: it turns out we can get along, and we can worship together, and we actually find it, this multi-generational worship experience, actually a very positive thing. So uh, combined with the fact that we have small groups meeting everywhere, all over the place, you might come in this room, and you have different groups in the same room, and if you're trying to have real life change and honesty about your life, and you get got another group over there, you don't know those people, it just doesn't work. And we got groups all over. Place. Last service, we had uh, rooted groups. I walked into two rooms last <laughs> service. Oh, sorry. I, I didn't realize there were... we have people meeting all over this campus. We want to give them a place to grow. All right? So remember, come in, which is here, build up. This would become the build up building. So, um, next slide, please. So, this is the building. Now, uh, go back to the last one. I'm going to show you that little bump out right there that we're never going to build. Anyway. There's a little bumper right there, and what the designer said, well, this building is now kind of in the corner. We need to draw it in if we build this out, and then I find out how much it costs. Yeah, okay, you write the check, we'll draw it in, but otherwise it ain't happening. So anyway, so what we will do is put an entrance in here. All these windows probably won't happen either, but anyway, but we'll put an entrance in here, and I want you to tell them
0: why. Yeah, so uh, this building, we're kind of calling the Community Life Center, and it's where we can build community. We can do life together, and we understand that a big part of doing life together, especially as we are um, ministering to a lot of families, is we want to create a place where your kids are going to love to be as well as you and and your groups. And so part of what we put in here is an entrance into um, a children's facility where right now we have a park that's right outside of this building. Playground. Or a p- playground, excuse me. And we wanna do an indoor playground that is a flow through. So you can have an indoor, outdoor playground where your kids can be safe, they can hang out, they can have a, a great time, and here's the best part. You don't have to hear them or see them really, okay? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Right. Okay. So if you go to the next uh, couple of the slides, um, we'll come back to this. Go ahead. And I just want to show, this is kind of an inspiration picture of a church that we saw that did an indoor space in which, um, the kids are going to be indoors. They're going to be safe. They're going to have a great time and go to the next uh, slide. And I get to sit out here and hang out and they're in there, you know, which is just go. Okay. Uh, and the idea is, is we have tons of groups. Moms Together meets here, for example. We would love the moms to be able to hang out, to be able to talk about life and know their kids are safe, they're having a great time, um, and they can check in on them if they need to, but they're not going to be uh, running around and, and crazy. A mom
1: could even look through the windows and see that the, the caregivers, the children, are there with the kids and see the kids and they're having a great time. And uh, now, back to, if you go back two slides, what this is for the old-timers, this is an adult education building. Okay, uh, you know, that's kind of what it is. And the reality is, is if we're going to help people grow up, we need a place where we have classes. We have classes on all kinds of stuff that we offer in addition to the group stuff that we're showing. So um, we want to tell you about this space. Uh, so this is, uh, we call it a flex. It's just an open space, and it's the size, it's basically the size of a basketball court. And so it would hold in assembly about three or 400 people. And so think about a CR group or a mom's group or even our rooted banquet. We could house a whole bunch of people in a room, have the meeting, and then they could break out and go talk about it. Because remember, what happens when you're face forward like we are now is information and inspiration. But transformation happens when you get across the table in a circle, you start talking with people. How in the world does that work? How does that work in your life? How does that work in my life? What does that mean? Uh, I'm gonna try it this week. Ask me next week how it went. That kind of stuff. Small group experience. One of the things we're realizing is that boomers, back in the day, would do small groups in somebody else's home. Won't happen anymore. It's just people who aren't comfortable with it, especially younger than boomers. They're not doing it, but they will come here for a large group, small group experience. And we found that to work in men's ministries, it works in, in, uh, in, in just about every place. So this flex space becomes the large group space, and then the space that are kind of teal or whatever that color is there become um, uh, become breakout sessions. For, for, it could be a step study, it could be open share, it could be a Bible study or, or, or a follow-up to the Bible study in small groups. So a small group space. Um, and the reason it's here is if we raise enough money, we'd like to do it two tiers. We'd like to do a, a mezzanine around the outside of classrooms. Uh, the in the middle would still be the meeting space, and the outside would be classrooms, and this would be a little cafe, and, and oh, that's the children's area, the cafe is somewhere, I don't know where it's at. Yeah, I think, think we have a
0: couple inspiration pictures to show, because there's other churches who have done this before, and this is the flex space we're talking about, where we would do the bigger group gatherings, and then you see there would be like classrooms or breakout places um, above and below, and so I think there's one more picture on the other side. See, these would be rooms that you could go and you could do your breakout groups in, and so that's kind of the, the concept. And what's that? That's one of the more important things of my life. Um, that's where I get coffee. And so, of course, if we're going to talk about Jesus, we should do it over a cup of coffee. And so we put that in there, too.
1: So it will be a cafe. This will never happen. Anyway, um, but it's really, it's really cool. <laughs> so uh, we, we, let me give you a couple things real quick. Uh, one, we have some meetings on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, in this lobby. You can come. You can ask questions. Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday, sorry, Tuesday and Wednesday you can come, you can ask questions Uh, we'll talk a little more in depth about this stuff and have some of our staff tell you about what it means to their ministry and why they feel like it's important, so that's Tuesday Wednesday, you don't have to make reservations or anything just show up, Tuesday Wednesday in the lobby right here in this building, Uh, we'll talk some more about it, now let me give you uh, another thing One of the things that we're going to talk about is the next generation. So we have spent a lot of time in the last few years um, studying, reaching out to, interviewing millennials. That's those people. And, uh, And all of the growth in our church right now is coming primarily from millennials and young families. Now what has come on our radar recent and so we feel like we're starting to make some some headway. Remember last week, we don't want to be last week we talked about we don't want to be a single, single generation church, right? Remember that? We wanna we wanna keep going because we feel like we have stewardship of this place and these resources. And so we really gone hard after millennials. We understand we're getting them. Those guys are so something that's come on our, our radar recently is the next group, which is from I think it's about six to twenty if I remember right, six years old to twenty years old, called Gen Z and Gen Z is a very interesting, so our youth department's been doing a lot of study on this, Matt, Cianfani especially. We're gonna talk to you about some of the things we're learning about Gen Z that we think, we already need this building right now. We need this building, but we think in the future it's gonna become even more critical, and here's why. Uh, Just a couple of things we'll talk about this week. One, Gen Z is the least biblical, have the, 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 the least biblical worldview of any generation in American history. Almost none. The percentages are, are so small. They um, they also are screen people. They're all about the screen. And and what Cody referenced, I mean, he didn't really maybe explain if you didn't catch it. They're trying to create relationships like this, and it doesn't work. One of the things we find out about this generation, this suicide rate for this generation is astronomical, because they're, and they're linked because they're trying to make relationships like this, but you don't make relationships like this. You make relationships like this, like this, like this. And so we're finding, and some of the early kind of predictors seem to be that the way this generation is gonna find health and wholeness is with people modeling and showing them what real relationship looks like. And again, you don't get real relationship like this. You get it right here, like this. And so we believe that not just now, the 1,200 people that are in groups, and I, I think that may be even low because I thought of some other groups we didn't include, that meet now, we already need it. But think about five years from now when as these Gen Z are getting older and they're trying to come to grips with adulthood eventually, and they're going to realize, I don't know how to, I, th- I don't know how to do this. And we get to say, but we do. We actually specialize in this specializing in loving God, and loving each other, and we can walk you through this. And we actually built a space in advance of you needing it. And that's one of the reasons we're really committed to this. We're really excited about this. We, we need it now. We needed it three years ago, but it's okay. If we get it now, we're going to be able to use it now and going forward, and we're very excited about that. So why we, yeah, exactly. so so there's two reasons there's three reasons we're telling you about it one we want you to pray we want you to pray for those kids who aren't even here yet those people are going to sit in those rooms and discover their life issues and let Jesus bring healing we want you to start praying for them even now they might be your kids or grandkids you never know we want you to start praying for them we also want you to start praying about what you should do because we're going to have to pay for this thing we together we're not going to go in debt we're not going to borrow money we're just going to say okay this is what we're believing for do you buy in if so buy in (laughs) Let's do this together. And I'm not going to tell you what to give. I'm not going to give to your house and whatever. We're just going to take up a pledge in, in a few weeks. And, and we're going to say, okay, over the next year or one-time gift, I intend to do this. I believe this. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Pray about what God wants you to give. You're going, well, God doesn't talk to me. I'm willing to bet he would. Matter of fact, I am betting he would if you'll pray. And he'll talk to you. Just what should I get? What should I get? And by the way, it should hurt a little bit. If it's like you skip lunch and you get, that's not it because here, here's my real prayer and here's the real deal and we want your input on this we want your ideas that's what these meetings are about but here's my real prayer I was praying this week I can show you my written prayer where it was at Lord help us raise the money we need to make this happen but more importantly help people grow through this process I actually believe this isn't about money and it's not about building it's about growing a generous heart and being more like Jesus. I really believe that. We have seen, and I've done a few campaigns over these years to raise money, and we have seen spiritual advance in so many people's lives. It is, the, it is the greatest time for spiritual growth because people have to come to grips with something. Am I in or am I out? <laughs> and if I'm in, am I in as much as I can manage, or am I in because God's called me into this thing, and I'm gonna trust him? Because I can tell you, every time I, I make one of these pledges, I, I write more than I think I could possibly give, but I feel like that's what God wants me to do, and I fulfilled every one of them, Connie and I together. And by the way, we'll talk a little bit about how that works, but, but Connie and I pray separately we come together and we say, okay, and we always seem to match up. God always seems to say the same number to us and it's not any formula, it's not something we can figure out, but we, we have bought in. And so I believe it's not just the amount you give. You need to give what's appropriate for you, what God tells you. It's that all of us are in, all of us. Don't be a freeloader, because you won't grow. We're gonna get the building built, even if you're a freeloader, but you won't grow in the process. Get in. Get involved. Be a part of the deal. My prayer is that everybody signs up and does whatever they can do. God can bless whatever amount it is He tells you to give. Just get in and do it. And as we do it together, and we have a unified vision, and we're all bought in, then God can release the people who are going to need to come that aren't even here yet who need to find healing, need to find. By the the addiction rates, especially to pornography, in the in the Gen Z, we'll we'll share it with you this week. It's shocking for boys and girls in the early age it starts it's shocking there's some stuff coming down the pike that's going to need some healing and we want to be here we want to be ready for it and we want to have our eyes open and we want to pay the price whatever we need to do to get in position for that and so that's a part of what we're doing and so that's what this is about for us and so we just wanted to share it with you today we'll talk a little more next week and we'll talk about some good biblical stuff next week and it'll be great but uh, I just want to kind of get it on your radar, get it in your mind, start praying about it, thinking about it, ideas, whatever you got, bring it to us, we're open to it, because we're really excited about the future, we really are, we believe God's put us here for a reason, and I know you believe that too, so let me just uh, let me just finish with a word of prayer, Lord God, you have uh, gifted us so many things, buildings and land and staff and congregation, but you have also, Lord God, given us something much more important, and that's your Holy Spirit, And so today, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, that you would help us just as as we as staff have been even fasting and praying about this and, and been dreaming about this and have come to this. Lord, even as we kind of spring some of this on people, new, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just help everybody understand what their part is supposed to be. Because Lord, together we want this place to continue to be a beacon of light in this community and a place where people can find hope and healing and restoration and salvation. And so, Lord God, I pray that every one of us would be willing to, to look beyond just whatever fundraising happens here and whatever we need to do to do that, but to what we could do so that we might grow closer to Jesus, we might be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so, Lord, I thank you for these people who are generous and they're caring, and I ask that together you will do your work in us and, yes, through us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.